Welcome everyone, thank you for tuning in. This is the MSV Podcast, here we talk about crypto. My name is Sabi, I am your host today. Let's start. Hello everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the MSV Podcast. In today's episode, we will talk about the game guilds and the evolution of games on the blockchain. And in order to dissect this topic properly, I have a veteran here with me, Gabby from Yield Guild Games. Hi Gabby, thank you very much for joining me. How are you? Hey Sabi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. How are you enjoying the summer? Everything good? Yeah, uh, pretty good. Uh, I'm in Greece right now and the summer is quite nice. Yeah, I bet. I bet it's uh, it's not too cold there. Uh, okay, just to start this, uh, this whole topic, could you give us an introduction about yourself, about the team, about the project, just briefly? Sure. Uh, so very quick intro. I come from a game development background. So I started making games 19 years ago. And uh, 2014, I started um, a mobile game company that uh, making casual games for iOS and Android phones. I discovered uh, Ethereum in 2017 when I heard about the concept of smart contracts. In free-to-play games, we always put virtual economies inside our video games. And the thought of programming real value, real money inside games sounded very compelling. And um, during that time of experimentation with uh, smart contracts, CryptoKitties came out in late 2017 and popularized the non-fungible token. And that was where I really thought that you know, NFTs could have a real future in game. So I've been very uh, active in the NFT gaming blockchain scene since I would say early 2018. Um, 2020, um, I've been playing a lot of different blockchain games, um, including Axie Infinity, when uh, during the uh, pandemic lockdown, a lot of people from my home country uh, in the Philippines started um, playing Axie Infinity using its uh, play-to-earn system as a way to uh, make money during the lockdown. These are people who, who were laid off and didn't have any means of income then. And that really um, started driving the first growth phase uh, of Axie Infinity. Um, you had to buy three Axie NFTs to get started and play and earning. and a lot of people came into the game and wanted to play but couldn't afford the nfts so um, we started lending out our axes personally uh, for to, for these people and just doing a revenue share of the um, of the slp uh, tokens that were generated from gameplay and this is where the genesis of yield guild came from we thought that you know if we could scale this first of all via capital raising some money to buy more nfts to uh, so that we could lend them out to people Second, via automation, we create an automated system to manage the NFT assets on chain. And then third, via communities, we would work with independent community managers that would recruit and train people from their own areas. And yeah, that is how we started Yield Guild. Okay, so uh, at the start, um, you both, I mean, the, the project had NFTs and you landed it out. I think I, I, I read somewhere that it started with you personally lending out a couple NFT, NFTs to yeah, people. Yeah, that, that's true. Uh, it's it's yeah. very interesting that you you said that you have 19 years experience in gaming industry. I mean, that's that takes us back to the almost very beginning, let's say, in traditional gaming. So I'm gonna I'm gonna come come back to that. Yeah. How this this whole movement started? So this is with the pandemic. This was an opportunity, let's say, uh, by giving the chance to uh, people to play and and earn some money. Yeah, it was a time of great uncertainty. If you go back to like the early to mid 2020, when people didn't know what was going to happen with the virus, and a lot of people had gotten laid off and didn't have any job prospects. And the people who started coming to 
the Axie community were not your typical blockchain early adopter. These were basically like ordinary people who were looking for a way to make money, but they were also gamers. Gamers that were young, that were old, male, female, coming from Philippines, but also other areas in the world. And these were people who wanted to play and uh, basically uh, earn SLP tokens so that um, they could uh, they could like earn some income while while stuck at home. And um, yeah, this this really really drew the early growth of Axie Infinity in uh, in mid 2020. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I I learned or I read that they could make like the multiple of the base salary uh, there in the Philippines. We were already also in the bull run, right? I mean, uh, prices were also high. Yeah, yeah. That, this is the start of the bull run. And um, yeah, there were times when people were making multiple of uh, what they were making from uh, from their uh, jobs before they were laid off uh, during covid Okay, so um, could you walk us through uh, how this works? I mean, uh, what I need to do if I want to play, but I don't have, uh, I don't know, um, capital to invest and buy NFT, and how it goes if I have NFTs or I'm a, in a, I'm a project with many NFTs and I want to 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 do this scholarship. You know, I want to lend it out to people who are gamers. Right. Um, so so if you if the game has a lending system because the NFTs are on chain. So what Axie did, for example, was that the, the NFTs themselves were still owned by the, uh, by the lenders. It was still in their wallet, but uh, you, you can give uh, usage or permission rights to use the application to someone else. So someone else can log into the game, play Axie, earn SLP tokens, and um, without, uh, without danger of them running away with uh, the assets because uh, the private key still belong to, to the lender, right? Um, and this allowed for a permissionless lending uh, borrowing system that really scaled because you could now lend thousands, for example, of Axie accounts without worrying about the security of, uh, of the assets themselves. Was this um, difficult to start up? I guess that you, at the, at the beginning, there were not thousands or hundreds. You just you had to do many trials and, um, and maybe tests with this lending protocol and how this would work between scholars and... Uh, gamers it actually started pretty organically in the community people started doing it from personal assets and a lot of people showed up wanting to play axie but uh, not having the assets and that was how we knew that it already had a product market fit so even when we started ygg we already knew there was a demand for it and uh, this was at the beginning only with axie infinity right yeah at the start with axie infinity We've expanded a lot since then and uh, invested in assets of over 40, uh, 40 different games. So now, yeah, we're we're in a lot of different games. So now everyone can you, I mean, these 40 different games are all, can all lend out NFTs to people who want to, to play. Yeah, some of them have a lending model uh, like Cyball, for example, and Fancy Birds. Some of them are a bit different. So for example, uh, Legal Kingdoms, you can buy some land. And then uh, we basically put the land in a multisig and then give governance rights to our player base using a governance token as well. And then they get to vote on like what they want to do on top of that land, how they want to play. So there's different models that we've evolved to as well. Just in a summary, what, what would be the highlights of the last one or two years since you started, how it evolves? I'm, uh, and we will go into the gaming as well in, in just a second, but I'm, I'm very interested of the pace of the, let's say, progress, what we can see, because I think it's very fast. Well, we, 
we really scaled uh, the community in the scholarship program. We got to up, up, up to about 30,000 scholars from around the world. And then we set up sub-DAO communities. This means that we set up different geographical communities around the world in Southeast Asia, in India, in LATAM, in Brazil, in Japan. And then we're, we're opening more, uh, more uh, areas as well where there are localized versions of YDG that will exist to serve its community. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's very nice. Can we talk a bit about games? Sure. Because uh, you are very much involved into games. Um, so everyone is, I think uh, X-Infinity, for example, was a big milestone for, for gaming on the blockchain. And now more and more advanced games are coming out, or at least we can see some, some, some trailers about them. You, as having 19 years experience in the gaming, you are a true veteran. How do you, do, how do you see the progress of the blockchain games versus the progress or as it was the progress uh, and it is right now in traditional games. Because uh, the reason I'm asking you is because many people bring the, bring up that blockchain games these days, uh, yes, they are play to earn, which is very good, but at one point they are not as enjoyable as a full developed traditional game, which is, yeah, you can only earn money if you are in esports, for example, right? Uh, yeah. or, or go to tournaments. So um, if you have to draw up, I don't know, a parallelism between these two directions, let's say, how would you describe it or how, what would be your view on that? So the, the way that economies are laid out in uh, uh, blockchain or Web3 games is very different from, for example, a free-to-play game. And that's why you're seeing kind of a deconstruction and, and subsequent reconstruction of how games are done in Web3. It's not enough that the game needs to be quote-unquote fun and then have a good core loop. Um, it also ties in exactly on how the economy is done. And I think we're still very much in um, exploration and experimentation phase of how those economies would look like. The first kind of uh, economy that really took off was the Axie two-token model with SLP and AXS, but it's shown its weaknesses as well. The reward token is uh, prone to like massive inflation because if the player numbers increase, then a lot of the of the reward token gets minted, which then um, kind of subsequently follows a drop in the price, which uh, is undesirable for the player base. So now the next batches of games that are coming out are tweaking this model and see how to come up with a you know, more sustainable economy model. And at the same time, while you're doing this, um, people are building different kinds of genres that can um, accommodate this economic loop. So you're seeing, for example, shooters, you're seeing RPGs, 4X strategy games. And it's not enough that a game just look like a Web2 game and feel like it because a Web2 game as it is, it's not going to have the magic of what we have in Web3, which is the ownership in the economy, yeah. right? Like there's a real virtual economy that people are spending on and people actually doing actions or almost have jobs in whether, you know, they're a trader or a warrior or a farmer. Like that's really the magic of Web3 games, having people do tasks inside the game and earn ownership of the economy inside of it. So um, now there's a lot of very experienced gaming veterans that have quit their Web2 gaming studios and started their new uh, Web3 gaming companies. We've invested in um, a bunch of them. And I think the quality of games we'll be seeing in the next maybe one to two years is really vastly going to be uh, superior than what we've seen in the, in the last two. 
um, even Axie itself has a new version of the game, Origin, which they've been building in public since last year. And it's gotten uh, to a point where it's a lot more competitive now than it was just two months ago. So I see a lot of development happening quickly in the blockchain gaming space. And yeah, I'm just really excited for what the next few years bring. So you you think so? What I understood from here is that the let's say the 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 learning curve, uh, the development phase, the development time uh, is uh, we can see it's shorter uh, than what we saw in uh, traditional games. And by traditional games, I'm I, I say let's go back to the '90s, right? I mean that's that's where uh, it all started. I remember playing Wolfenstein the you know the the one with the pixelated one and yeah i played wolfenstein too yeah and and after that i think they, they released the, the third one which was a whole other level uh it was yeah. like almost like call of duty uh so you think that this um let's say development uh time in blockchain games will be much shorter than in traditional i mean they also have a lot of pedigree right not necessarily I don't think that dev times will be shorter. The big difference is that the community is such a big aspect of Web3 and blockchain games. So the developers are exposing their games to their community a lot earlier. You see a lot of uh, console games, for example, that have maybe two to three year development timeline. You see my MMOs that take four or five years to make. And you flip that around in blockchain games and. Maybe you start with an NFT drop, maybe you start with a demo. Uh, you start with something that your community can own and get excited about. And so you're building with your community very early from early days and helping them uh, understand what the game is about, um, letting them kind of shape it in a way of where the game is going. So if you look at the total dev time, it will probably take just as long, but the community has been involved um, much, much early on in Web3. And you think that this is, uh... This also helps the developers, right? I mean, the community can also yeah. come up with some ideas. Yeah, I, I do think that it's a it's a big plus. It is. Okay. Uh, what do you think uh, about the game guilds uh, about their development in the future? I'm talking in five years. How do you think the gaming guilds will develop? Yeah. So, um, gaming guild at the very basic is um, a community that gathers together to, to play a game. So we've had gaming guilds for a long time, uh, starting from you know games like RuneScape or World of Warcraft and uh, plenty of other games. And for Web3, a gaming guild also helps by pooling together assets, NFT assets, to help uh, players play uh, these games and then uh, basically share in the corresponding rewards. So there's going to be a big evolution of the guilds as the games themselves um, evolve too. A lot of these guilds started around Axie Infinity to help people earn SLP tokens. Um, I think that's going to evolve as uh, games will do less and less of paying people for grinding. Um, and I think guilds will really help people cooperate and go towards long-term goals within a game, whether it's to own a certain part of the economy or maybe bring down one of the big bosses and sharing the raid loot. A lot of the guilds are turning towards content creation and esports, which YGG is doing as well, helping the games become more popular with, uh, with their community. So I think there will be a, a lot of different evolutions of guilds. And I think guilds will specialize, like no two guilds will be the same. Some will be better at esports. Some of them are just communities or maybe just small groups of people and their friends. And some of them will really 
uh, invest in uh, these game assets and try to maximize their ownership. So there's um, many going to be many different goals for guilds depending on what gamers are interested in. Very interesting. Thank you very much. About the communities, just uh, quick, because I know that there are certain games, for example, World of Warcraft, which has a huge community, and we can say that those gamers are professional gamers, right? Uh, there is always this this talk that, uh, okay, play to earn games as they are evolving, probably they will just draw in all these professional gamer gamers. And um, I just wanted to ask, how do you see the communities? Uh, do you see, let's say, drifting in from other communities into play to earn, maybe to from from games which are more traditional, or uh, you think that uh, there is still need some development in the blockchain gaming in order to bring in these uh, bigger gamers, let's say, or uh, more professional communities? We've already started seeing some of this. One of the top WoW guilds has already entered Axie Infinity. Some of the top uh, Hearthstone esports players have also switched to the Axie competitive community. Um, I think it will happen slowly because, uh, of course, you have to be interested in the game that you're playing uh, to, get, to be really good at it and play it at a very high level. Um, but I have no doubt it will happen because I don't think there's really a distinction with like with a web two gamer or a web three gamer this is like an artificial distinction right now because the games are very different right because uh um like the web current web three games are really more focused on economy because that is where the innovation is coming from um but i think over time this will just be games and then people will move over and play what they like and most of these games will have an underlying economy to them that will be blockchain based yeah, but the economy also needs to develop, let's say. I mean, it's a work in progress, uh, I guess, what we saw with the burning mechanism, much, with the minting yeah. mechanism. And uh, yes, I think at uh, at certain points, uh, people are also, let's say, they know that, okay, if you get in early, you can make the bigger bucks, you know, the bigger amount of money. But uh, due to the economy in development, if you join later, you will probably not make as much money. And this is not only on the gaming. I mean, if you uh, check any genre, let's say, to earn, that is uh, more or less applicable. How do you see this economy uh, progressing, let's say? Uh, can we see a change or a development in the next uh, couple of years where this uh, phenomenon, let's say, is uh, mitigated? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it'll be just a matter of being early because being early also signifies a lot of risk that uh, maybe the games will not work out. Now, because of the speculative nature of crypto and especially in the bull run um, last year, a lot of people that were early were able to make some money. So there's this notion that like if you are early, then you will make more money. But I think in a more normal environment, a lot of people who are early, a lot of them will be working in economies that end up not working out and some of them that are early in the economies that are good they will they maybe make more money but i don't think it's just about uh, being early it's about selecting the right game and doing the right things inside the game to get good at it and eventually earn some value from that yeah you are right because i forgot to mention that the being early is also coming with a huge risk because uh, even That's if right. it's gaming or investing, being early and investing in something which is not, uh, let's say, very popular at that moment, you are also taking a huge risk. Yeah, and, and people forget that because of bull markets, uh, right? But when our early seed investors put money in YDG, 
there was no pattern. We didn't have a gaming guild that raised money before that. So a lot of investors didn't understand our model in the past because they saw it as too risky. And the people who, who did invest at, at a proven, uh, unproven and risky model at that time, they were the ones that were able to get the reward. So yeah, being early definitely comes with risk and that's what makes for a good investor. Yes, but I think this can also project it back to Bitcoin if we, if you want to go back in the future. I mean, uh, people who bought Bitcoin at $1, they just couldn't know that, uh, I don't know, next year it, it wouldn't be banned by uh, every every That's right. country. So it's, it is what it is. If somebody wants the big gains, also big risks are coming. It's just, I, I, I just can't, can't imagine an opportunity which has big uh, gains with no risk. I just, I just nothing uh, comes to my mind. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And you also need the conviction to hold and work through it. If you bought your Bitcoin at $1 and sold it at $10, then you would have made a lot of money, but not as a lot of money if you had held to 20000 But you also need to have that conviction. And I think it's the same with game economies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. One of my last questions, let's say, how, how far uh, are we from the Web3 gaming adoptions? Uh, and by gaming adoptions, I don't mean that only blockchain games. It's let's say when we are at the same level with communities on blockchain games as with traditional ones. Um, I think we're maybe around five years away. It's uh, uh, There's a couple of things that have to happen. I think uh, one is that the ease of use of interacting with uh, wallets. Uh, has to be there like there's still a very low penetration of people that own uh, crypto wallets and of course this will change over time um and the second is that you want to have player experiences that are very seamless and yeah i think honestly i think this is coming uh probably faster than we think i think it'll happen within the next five years and yeah um hopefully it's one of the games that we uh we've invested assets in <laughs> yeah uh, always always um i have a, one more question um i think um we saw some problems of some blockers let's say as the the crypto wallets for example because many people who maybe want to to play i mean for example mobile games they also need to to create um, wallets and uh, that seems to be like a, a pain you know and many people say that okay i won't play this game because i need to create a wallet i don't know anything about crypto and it's risky because that's what i saw on facebook so on so on do you see progress in this uh, in this matter uh, do you see i don't know solutions to these yeah. problems yeah different games are creating their own solutions Axie, for example had its own in wallet some of the games are uh, doing custodial solutions first until it's time to cash out some value. Um, and yeah, there's a number of experiments being made here. And um, I think uh, games are really trying out different kinds of solutions to see which ones will be most beneficial for players. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last question. I learned that uh, it's not easy to publish games, for example, on, on, on Apple Play or, or Google Play. And it's a lot of, let's say, um, blockers from these companies because they want to protect the, uh, their buyers and crypto is still volatile. Do you see any progress or do you work with uh, any of the projects who have uh, these kind of problems or work on these kind of solutions in order to get more people on board, let's say, to, re- to reach more people who play on their mobile games? Yeah, so there are games that are putting basically free-to-play versions without the crypto elements on these app stores so that they can reach wider distribution. 
I think in the long term, though, there will be crypto native distribution platforms that will emerge um, and, and will allow uh, crypto transactions in games. I don't think it will be the existing distribution methods, namely Google Play and Apple, because they're making so much money with, uh, with their in-app purchase transactions that they cannot really support crypto without uh, uh, crippling their own business, which is making them like tens of billions of dollars a year. So I think it will be a, a true crypto native platform that will eventually emerge. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, reachable from uh, phones as it is reachable. Yeah, from, from phone, from uh, from PCs. Uh, that's right. I have now. You just said that there will be a separate crypto platform. I I think this pressure should come from the users, right? If they see that uh, okay, many people choose. I don't know, a crypto game instead of their own own games. Uh, I think that will motivate them to, let's um, say, build in in their system also the crypto game. So it's uh, it's always tricky to see these. You know, they stick to the to the to the money cows. Let's say what is working right now, and when the pressure comes, yeah, yeah. They, they try to adapt. Or uh, do you see it in a different way? Yeah, I think uh, eventually there will be a community-owned platform that will really do game discovery. Um, the the most important thing about Web3 is always start with the community. And I think applications will be built on top of existing communities that will help them uh, discover what games they would want to play. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any big announcement coming up from uh, uh, from your project, which uh, the community should keep an eye out for? Out for? Well, uh, we just announced YGG Japan, mm-hmm. uh, which is our community of blockchain gamers from Japan, of course. But second is that it will also be helping to bring uh, Japanese IP, whether from games or from anime or manga into the blockchain gaming world. So this is still pretty new, but uh, yeah, we're looking forward to working with YG Japan and see what kind of um, IP we can bring mm-hmm. over to blockchain gaming and NFTs. Okay, well, thank you very much. I, I don't have uh, more questions. Uh, I think uh, I think this was great. So thank you very much for, for taking the time and for, for being here, I mean, online. <laughs> and uh, I hope that we can do this uh, again sometimes. You're welcome. Yeah, it's a pleasure being here. Okay, everyone, you can find in the description all the links to the project. Go and check out the Twitter and website. And yeah, let's uh, let's see the blockchain games evolve. Thank you again and see you in the next episode.